Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting, that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? John 18, 36 through 38. Well, good morning, everyone. It is good to see you. Happy Sunday. I hope you are well, and I'm looking forward to spending the next few minutes together with you. As you've heard so far, this morning we actually are continuing our series that we're calling What About? Where we're trying to offer kingdom answers to honest questions. Uh, We do not think these are just questions that exist somewhere out there in the world, but we recognize and celebrate the fact that many of these questions are questions that are asked by you guys here in this room. Uh, We believe that the church should be a place where we are not afraid to ask and engage and patiently think through difficult questions, and that's why we're doing this series. Uh, My name is Michael, and I'm one of the elders here at the church, and I'm going to be our guide today, hopefully a guide into truth, because that is the question of today, the question of truth. Our question, as Madison said earlier, is what about those who find all truth equal? We're going to reflect on that together. And I'd like to anchor our conversation or our reflections with some scripture, of course. And it's a little bit of a different message. There's not like one text that I'm going to be unpacking and explaining today. Really, we're taking what God has revealed in scripture and we're applying it to a question that we ask in our world today. And so what I'd like to do is to read through a few different texts from across the gospel of John. It's like we're taking a rock and we're skipping it across the water of John's gospel. And we're going to look at a few different places where he talks about things like truth and, and knowledge and the pursuit, of these, uh, the pursuit of these. So you're welcome to try to flip along with me if you want, but I'm gonna be just grabbing bits and pieces from there. So as much as I love seeing you guys turn the pages of your Bibles or even follow along on your phones, maybe a time just to kind of listen in, uh, follow the screens and hear what John writes. I'm gonna begin with chapter one of the Gospel of John, verses one through four. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. That's quite an introduction. I want to jump ahead then to chapter 6 of John's gospel. Uh, Jesus has just preached a sermon so far in this chapter. And at the beginning of the sermon, he had about 7,000 people listening to him. And by the end, there were about 12 left. (laughs) So depending on your perspective, it was either a terrible or great sermon. Anyway, after it was over, here's the conversation that took place. From this time, many of his disciples, that's Jesus, turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teachings, you really are my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John chapter 14, verse 6. Mark read this last week. 
Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And again, I'd like to read that strange conversation that happens between Jesus and the Roman governor, Pilate, that Maggie just read for us a moment ago. Pilate is the only one with the authority to say that Jesus can be put to death. And he's trying to figure out why Jesus is on trial in the first place. When he asks, Jesus answers and will pick up the conversation. Jesus said to him, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. Let's pray. Father God, as we approach these complex questions, we pray that you would be present in specific ways to us as a room, as a group, uh, to each of us as persons. We pray that you would sharpen our minds to reflect well. We pray that you would open our hearts. We pray that you would help us to be honest about our confidence and our doubt about what we think about you and what we feel about the world and really just be with us in the ways that you see fit as we explore these important but difficult questions. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, We as a culture seem to have uh, a complicated relationship with truth. Like on the one hand, we pride ourselves as being a people where, a place where you can disagree and live together. You know what I mean? Not everybody has to think the same way in order to live at peace. And yet on the other hand, you don't really need me to tell you that we are increasingly tribalized. We're increasingly put into these like group boxes. And of course, humans have always done this with their communities, but we're put in these tribes and it's almost like now that you're in this group, you have to think that everything that that group says is totally wrong and not just wrong, but stupid and wicked and even insane, you know? So we're kind of pushed in these various directions when it comes to questions of truth. And gosh, you may sometimes feel like one of the quickest ways to make an enemy is to try to share a difficult truth with somebody. And so we have different ways of responding to this. Some people fight, others sort of try to cautiously engage, and still others, I think, are just sort of trying to hide and pretend like everything's going to be okay. But there are many in our world, maybe some of you, who aren't even sure what to do, and so you just sort of get to a point where you throw up your hands, and you say, listen, like, I I know that I don't have all of the truth, and I don't think you have all of the truth, and what is truth anyway? You know, you kind of get into the pilot mode of finding yourself asking that question. And so you land by saying, hey, listen, I'm just going to follow my truth. And what's true for you is true for me, or you. And what's true for me is true for me. And let's just leave each other alone. You know, I think that there are many people in our world who, when it comes to the question of absolute truth, of, of, of universal truth, truth that's true for everybody, they're a little skeptical or a lot skeptical. And maybe it's a thought, maybe it's a feeling, maybe it's a mood. We just don't know what to do with this question of truth. And actually, it's it's not a new idea. There's this, you may have heard this before, there's this old famous Indian parable of six blind men and an elephant. And they're trying to all figure out what it is that they're touching when they approach the elephant. There was a British guy, there's a picture of it. There was a British guy who wrote a poem of, of kind of putting into verse this ancient parable. It starts like this. It says, it was, he says, it was six men of Hindustan to learning much inclined who went to see the elephant, though all of them were blind, that each by observation might satisfy the mind. The first approached the elephant and happening to fall against his broad and sturdy side at once began to bawl. Bless me, it seems the elephant is very like a wall. And the poem continues, and it's long, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it continues through all six of them. 
The first blind man touches the side of the elephant and says, guys, this is a wall. The second man touches the tusk of the elephant and says, no, this is not a wall. I don't know what you're actually talking about. This is a spear. The third man puts his hands on the trunk and says, a spear? No, much softer than a spear. This is a snake. The fourth guy puts his arms around the knee and says, clearly, you idiots, this is a tree. The fifth one grabs hold of the ear, drawing the conclusion that this is a fan. And the sixth and final one grabs the tail and says, I'm not sure what you guys are talking about, but this is obviously a rope. And then the poem ends. And so these men of Hindustan disputed loud and long, each in his own opinion, exceeding stiff and strong, though each was partly in the right and all were in the wrong. I think this parable or this poem really does kind of capture something that a lot of people in our culture feel, you know? Like, I know I don't know everything, so maybe I don't know as much as I think I know, and maybe I should just, I don't know, let everybody else know what they think they know, and who knows when it comes to truth, you know? And so we have slogans like, truth is relative, or there is no absolute truth, or all truth claims are equal. And that makes life tricky, because if you're not sure what reality is, it's kind of hard to make your way through it, you know? And we have to find a way. I mean, the question of truth really is among the most profound of all questions. And I'm no perfect guy. You guys know this. And even if I somehow was, even though I consider myself somebody who is personally very committed to finding and teaching the truth, I've only got 24 minutes. So there's only so much we can do. I do want to recommend to you guys a resource that's going to make me feel better about leaving a lot of important questions unanswered. There's a book by Timothy Keller. You guys have probably heard us talk about him up here. He wrote a book called The Reason for God, Belief in an Age of Skepticism. And we have copies of this in our resource center for 10 bucks. It's a worth, worthwhile purchase. And so you might want to take a look at that, flip through the table of contents and see if that'd be something that's interesting for you. So a few weeks ago, I'm, I'm thinking about this message and I'm trying to wrap my hands around it, my head around it. And I do what I, I normally do. I called Mark and I said, what were we thinking trying to cover the truth question in one week, you know? And uh, he, as he always does, gave some really sage advice. And uh, one thing we've been trying to do in the series is we're not trying not to talk against the people who are not in the room, but to the people who are in the room. What we don't want to do is set up a straw man, a really easy version of somebody else's argument, and then just knock it down and act like it's all obvious, and how could anybody think other than we think? We don't want to do that. The other thing he said to me was, um, he said, just imagine that you're sitting at a coffee shop with someone who's genuinely wrestling with the question of truth. What would you say? That was really helpful for me. And Speaking of which, if you are a skeptic and you want somebody to talk to, hit me up. We'll grab a cup of coffee. But we're not currently grabbing a cup of coffee. So I, in my mind, pictured myself at a coffee shop with this imaginary friend. I named him Jack, by the way. And so we're going to be talking about Jack all morning long. <laughs> if your name is Jack, I'm not coming at you subtly. I just think it's a great name. <laughs> right? So I promise I'm not trying to dig. So I pictured this person, Jack, and I'm like, okay, what would I say to Jack? And well, the first thing I thought was, well, I wouldn't preach at him, so this is a little awkward. And of course, we would have a back and forth conversation if we were talking over a cup of coffee. But what I want to do for the rest of our morning is kind of walk you through how I would try to guide a conversation about truth. And as is typically the case for me, really, I would just be trying to ask and answer good questions. And we would start with the first question. The first question is Jack's question. Why not consider all truth equal? I'm someone who's trying to tell him that Jesus is the Savior and Lord of everybody and that you should trust him and follow him and that it matters for time and eternity. And he's looking at me going, yeah, you're saying that. And somebody else is saying something else. And I've got a third friend over here saying a completely different thing. Why shouldn't I just say, hey, you guys follow whatever path you want. All truth is equal. I'm going to do my thing. 
I don't know what you would first say to someone who asked this question. I'll tell you what I first say. My first thing is, I just want to commend the question because I think it's a wise question to ask. There's a technical word for it, relativism. The idea that all truth is relative, that there are no absolute truths, and I'm living my truth. You've heard these things before. And I just always want to say like, hey, I think it's understandable for people living on the other side of the super bloody 20th century to find this idea somewhat palatable. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people have killed a lot of people because they were convinced they had the truth. That's what I'm saying. That's terrible. And also, like it's important to have a society where not everybody is forced to believe the same thing. That would be terrible. So I totally get the appeal of this idea. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. You live your truth, I'll live mine. Let's just leave each other alone. But the problem is all truth is equal is not a claim just about politics. It's a claim about reality. And as a claim about reality, I can't see how it works. I actually think it's very important to see very clearly that relativism cannot be true and that we should all be super glad about this fact. And we're gonna have time, I think, today to walk through three questions, but the last two questions are really kind of a summary of some of the things that Mark has been teaching throughout this series and that we talk about often. So we're gonna place a little bit more time emphasis on this first question, because that's really what we're wrestling with. And I know it's a heavy day thinking about this big question of whether or not all truth is equal, whether or not there really are absolutes. And if I were talking to you across the coffee shop, if I'm talking to Jack, one of the first things I wanna say is, listen, all truth claims cannot be equally true. It's actually impossible. Uh, For one thing, it's self-defeating. It's like if I said to you, hey, don't trust anything I ever tell you. Well, how are you supposed to do that? (laughs) Like the moment you do that, you're actually not doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you trust the one thing I'm telling you, even if the one thing I'm telling you is not to trust him? You guys follow what I'm saying, right? Like it doesn't work. It's self-refuting. You literally can't not trust anything I tell you without trusting something that I'm telling you. Let me give you another one that's a little bit easier. It's like if somebody says to you, or if I say to you, I don't speak a word of English, don't know how. Um, Yes, you do. You actually just did speak quite a few words of English. And again, it doesn't work. So to say, there are no absolutes. Well, I mean, apparently, except for that one, (laughs) it doesn't work. All truth is relative. Well, like you, you can't say that because if it were true, then the statement itself would be false. I know this is, again, heady stuff, but you guys follow what I'm saying. It's called a contradiction. For another thing, apart from the sort of philosophical look at it, it's obviously false that not all truth claims are equally true. Take an example that I'm pretty sure is not going to offend anyone, although I'll be honest, sometimes I'm not really sure. I made this one up and I'm pretty sure no one believes it, so hopefully we're on safe grounds, okay? Let's say you have somebody who said, anyone can stare at the sun safely for two hours with one of their eyes if they cover the other eye with their phone. They'll be fine, okay? That is a truth claim. (laughs) What if somebody on the other hand says, no, anyone who stares at the sun for two hours with either eye, that eye will experience permanent damage. One of these things is true, but they can't both be true, right? Now, let's take an example that matters a little bit more. What over here, you have something that people in our world say, children can only be birthed by women. That is a truth claim. Over here, you have something that people in our world say, children can be birthed by birthing persons, whether male or female. Well, listen, only one of these is true. The other one's false. They cannot both be equally true. 
Now, I'm not even trying to weigh in at this particular point. I just want to show you that this relativism idea doesn't actually work in the real world, and I don't think anybody actually thinks it does. Now, here would be an objection. This is what I think Jack would say. I think Jack would say, yeah, I get what you're saying, but you're talking about matters of fact. You're talking about matters of science. But over here, you're trying to convince me about questions of morality and questions of religion. Those are not questions of fact. Those are questions about values. And I would say to him, like, I understand it's a super popular idea to say that there's a major difference between these two. Actually, it has a long history that we could maybe unpack sometime. But I don't think it works that cleanly. Like, it's just the lines aren't that clear. Over here, you have someone who says that there's one way to be saved, and it is through the prophet Muhammad. Over here, you have someone who says there is one way to be saved, and it is through the prophet Jesus. And back here, you have someone who says, actually, neither of those things are true. There is many ways to be saved, or there are no ways to be saved, or you shouldn't want to be saved in the first place. Like whatever we say about these various things, one thing we have to start with is they can't all be equally true. Now, everybody is perfectly free to form their own opinion. Like, amen. Praise God and props to the Constitution. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to live in a place where we can disagree with each other, and that's allowed. But that doesn't mean that these claims are equally true. That's a different thing. It actually reminds me of the movie Inside Out. Do you remember this movie? It's been a while. It's a Pixar cartoon movie a number of years ago. You guys apparently aren't into raising your hands, but I'll just take that as a yes. So in this movie, you have this 11-year-old girl, Riley, who's trying to make her way through growing up. And the movie's actually the characters of the emotions in her mind trying to make sense of things. I know, sounds like a weird, actually, it sounds like a really weird premise, but it's a cute movie, I promise. Anyway, Joy and Sadness find themselves lost in this like far off region of her mind and they need to get back to the control center because anger is taking over and it's super ugly. So they're making their way across her mind and they're guided by Riley's childhood imaginary friend. Do you remember this friend? Do you guys know the friend's name? Say it out loud if you know it. Bing Bong, that's what I'm talking about. Bing Bong is a weirdo, but he's awesome. Or I don't even know what it is, like a pink elephant-like thing. So Bing Bong is guiding them and they're on this train and they're trying to make their way back to where they need to be. And there's a box of bricks marked truth and a box of bricks marked opinion. And they knock them over and they all kind of fall together. And Bing Bong says, oh, that's okay. Those get mixed up all the time. (laughs) I'm gonna be honest with y'all. I feel like that's where we are as a society. It's like we've forgotten There's a difference, like opinions, yeah, you're free to have one, but there's a difference between opinion and fact. All truth claims cannot equally be true. And then I'd actually ratchet it up a notch. I'd say something else to Jack and I'll say it to you. All truth claims are not equally valuable or valid. I realize that this is dangerous territory, but I think this needs to be said. Take our stupid sun stare example, okay? Think about this, like you're free to believe that somebody could stare at the sun for two eyes being undamaged as long as they cover the other eye with their phone for two hours. You're free to believe that. But if I know you and I know you believe that, I'm going to do everything I can to convince you that you are wrong. And it's not because I like being right or I need to prove myself or I grew up traditionally believing that staring at the sun is dangerous and I just need to protect my tradition at all costs. No, like I'm gonna try to tell you that you're wrong because I care about you. And I care about the other people who might believe you When you say this, if you care about people, you must care about truth. That's the only option. Because what we believe has consequences now and forever for yourself and for other people. You can't make the world other than what it is. And everybody who has tried has made it worse because reality always punches back. 
Now, I'll admit, if Jack and I are friends, I'm probably getting a little amped at this point. If we're kind of comfortable with each other, I'm kind of probably rolling. This is the point where Beth gets a little bit embarrassed with me in public because she's looking at me like, you realize you're being louder than everyone else in the restaurant, right? <laughs> I can't help it, I'm Italian, so I'd just be going for it and he'd be looking at me funny. But I do get, ups- I'm not upset, I do get passionate about this. I can't keep myself from getting amped about this because these things matter. Because people believe some dangerous smut today in our world. You know, there's some people who still actually believe that black folks are inferior to white folks or that women are inferior to men. You know that there are some people who, would, who believe that you should blame all of the problems of the world on, I don't know, Jews or white males or strong women. Like pick your target, you know what I'm saying? You know, there are actually people in our world who are intelligent folks with advanced degrees and influential positions in important sectors of society who believe that pedophilia is just a natural sexual urge. And there are people who believe that it is appropriate to perform irreversibly damaging sex change surgeries on children and that state-sponsored schools should have the authority to go behind parents' back to do it. Now, I wanted to offer a half apology for bringing up so many controversial issues in the span of like three sentences, but I promise I have a point. And my point is, whatever you think about those things, if you had any sort of reaction at all on any of the issues I've mentioned over the last few minutes, you are proving that you have an instinctive awareness that not all claims to truth are equally valuable. Not all claims to truth are equally valid. Not all claims to truth stand on equal footing. And the collective delusion that all truth claims are equally valid is actively ruining people's lives. And I do think if we don't stop it, it's going to ruin our society as we know it. Now the kingdom of God is fine, so I'm not panicking. The kingdom of God will always be okay. But I've studied history enough not to want my grandchildren to live in a post-truth world. Now at this point in our coffee, we probably are running out of something to drink. Jack is probably like, um, dude, you need some fresh air and I need to use the restroom. <laughs> so <laughs> we take a quick break for a minute and he goes off and I step outside and we come back in and maybe we have a little small talk about the playoffs or Elon Musk or Chris Rock or I don't know what we'll be talking about today. But I'm imagining that once we've talked about this question of, you know, why not consider all truth equal, I guess the next question would probably naturally present itself. Okay, he would say, if absolute truth is a thing, how do we get it? How can we find the truth? Great question. Now, Jack and I have to go back to work soon, and you and I have to go to do whatever it is that we're doing after the service, and so we have a limited amount of time where we could talk about this, and really, for the rest of the conversation, I wouldn't be trying to convince him in that conversation to believe all the things I believe. I just wanna help him ask wise questions. That's what I'd do for you. I just wanna help him think through these things. And so when he asks this question, how can we find truth? I'm gonna start with something he is agreeing with. I'm gonna say, listen, I'm gonna tell you what you already know. If you want the truth, think. If you want the truth, study. If you want the truth, think hard. Pay attention to the world around you. Identify the patterns that you see in the world, whether it's people or things. Apply some reasoning as best you can and try to figure out what makes sense of the world as we find it. Form theories, test them, listen to people who disagree with you, reform them. Now, Jack is an engineer in my imagination, and so he gets this perfectly well. (laughs) God made a world of order that is studyable, and it releases its secrets to people who want them and work for them. So want them and work for them, that's what I'd say. He's vibing with me at this point. And then I say, but in all this, and he's kind of smirking because he knew a but was coming. But in all this, I say, I think you got to start with Jesus. I think you have to start with him. 
And I'd share some scriptures with him. I know he doesn't agree with my Bible, but I'd share some scriptures with him to kind of explore what it is I'm talking about. I'd probably point him to Proverbs chapter one, verse seven, which says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Why do you think it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge? That's a strange statement. You kind of back up and think about that. Like, what, what is that? And I think what Proverbs is saying is if you want to find the truth, then you got to start with the one who built this place. If you pursue the truth and you have no reverence for the God who made the world, then you're probably getting off on the wrong foot and you're going to find yourself on a wonky path at some point down the road. I think Paul maybe has this notion in mind when he says in his letter to the Colossians, Chapter two, verse three, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He makes it personal. That's why I actually wanna keep drawing our attention back to the conversation between Jesus and Pilate. I know we've read it twice, but if you're like me, you kinda need to read something two or three times to even really start to see what's going on. Especially when it's a strange conversation. And this is a strange conversation. It's like, what are you guys even talking about? Let me read it to you again. Jesus answered when Pilate said, what are you in for? He answered him, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. He's like, I knew it. Jesus answered, well, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? It's a weird story because it is like, what are you, are you guys talking about truth? Or are you talking about the kingdom of God? Or are you talking about Jesus? And the gospel of John is like, yep. <laughs> and that's what Jesus does. And sometimes I love this and sometimes I hate it because Jesus makes it personal. He says to me, you can't answer the question of truth without wrestling with how you're going to respond to me. It's like what he said in that previous passage, John chapter eight, to the Jews who believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you really are my disciples. Look at that next word. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Whoa, 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 Jesus. I would rather like know the truth ahead of time. I'd rather like know for sure that I should follow you and then I'll start to follow you. And Jesus says, I'm not exactly sure it works that way, but you will find the truth as you follow me. Now, I probably can't keep myself from preaching a little bit, even at a coffee shop. So Jack is a little bit annoyed here, but he's polite enough to respond, maybe with an eye roll. He says something to me like, yeah, I figured you'd say that. When the conversation gets going, you religious people are all the same. You just punt to faith. When you don't know how to answer a question, you just punt to mystery. When you're not quite sure where to go next, when reason scares, reason scares you, you just hide behind blind dogma. And I would say to my friend Jack, I'm sorry, Jack. Is that an accusation or a question? <laughs> And hopefully he would say to me, okay, fine, I'll humor you. Why start with Jesus? Why not consider all truth equal? That's where we started. Once we establish the truth is legit, how are you gonna find it? I'm saying start with Jesus. Think hard, start with Jesus. He's saying why, and I'm glad we're here. This is an important moment. It's also a tricky moment because in the conversations that we have with our friends, this tends to come up toward the end. Everybody's a little bit tired, Another shot of espresso is only gonna do so much, you know? And yet we need some of that because the world has trained us to misunderstand how this works. The world has trained Jack to misunderstand how these things relate to one another. You see, he thinks that like faith is in a box over here and science is in a box over here. Or faith is in this box over here and reason belongs on this side of things. And I think he's confused 
about how science and reason and faith actually work, about how they relate to one another in our pursuit of knowledge about anything, y'all, anything. It's an indisputable fact that none of us have enough time to learn everything we need to know about all of the things that interest us. Can I get an amen, you know? Like, this is why Wikipedia exists, okay? This is why we have stacks of books, either on our phone or in our app, that we just, I wanna read this article, but I just don't have to. We can't figure it all out on our own. And that's okay, because that's the way the world works. Think about this practically. Let's say you decide that you're gonna learn to do something new. It could be literally anything. It could be how to wire a, a room, or it could be how to bake cookies, how to swing a golf club, how to knit scarves, how to understand quantum entanglement. I don't know what you're into, you know? But let's say you're gonna learn something new, how to do something or how to understand something. What's the first thing you're gonna do? The first thing you're gonna do is you're gonna find a guide. You're gonna find an expert or a group of experts. You're gonna grab a book off the shelf or you're gonna call somebody that you know or you're going to, probably like the rest of us, get on YouTube and watch a video, you know? I gotta fix my sink and I don't have the time or money to call a plumber. Well, I'm not just gonna hop down there with the wrenches and hope for the best. I'm gonna find what I can from somebody who knows this more than me. And in that moment, I'm not choosing faith over reason. I'm not choosing trusting over thinking or a relationship over science. I'm recognizing that these lines aren't that clear. I'm finding an expert to help me think with them, to teach me the truth about this thing so that I can manage my life in a way that is beneficial. Now back it up to the 10,000 foot level. Truth is out there, it's real and we wanna find it. Where do you begin? Now I'm not saying that you don't listen to anyone else about anything. I'm not saying that all of the answers to all of your questions are found in the Bible. I'm not saying Jesus answers, like I'm sure Jesus makes a really good chocolate chip cookie, okay? But I wouldn't suggest opening up to the gospel of Mark to try to figure out how to make yours. Like it's okay to use grandma's recipe. God made the world this way. What I'm saying though is behind it and before it all, there's an expert of experts. There's a guide of guides. And if you want to pursue the truth, you make Jesus your guide of guides, your expert of experts, your philosopher, your meta teacher, the one you trust above all else. You must trust someone. We all must trust someone. I think we probably know this. I think we get this now. Like, I think we've noticed that the people who tell us, think for yourself, also want us to buy their product or subscribe to their service, you know? You just must trust someone. And anybody who tells you otherwise is, I don't wanna be mean, but naive or lying or confused. So yes, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying something I recognize not everyone believes. I'm saying start with Jesus. Why? I've still not answered that question. Jack's like, why, man? Like, you're telling me, Jesus, 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 I get it, why? And I'm saying, here's why, bud. And I'm not trying to convince him to believe everything I believe about Jesus. I'm not gonna throw a bunch of Bible at him at this point. He doesn't believe the Bible. Why would he believe what the Bible says? I'm just gonna make one point that I think is fairly clear for anybody to understand. I would say, why start with Jesus? Let me give you one thing to get us going. Because Jesus is different. Because Jesus is unique. And I got a little formula I like to think through. Okay, I got a, little, a, little, a little, little sort of math type thing that I lay out when I think about, okay, why do I believe in Jesus? I'm, I'd write it on a napkin for him, and for him, this would be a conversation we'd have in the future. For us, it's actually a summary of what Mark has been saying. He's talked about how this series builds on itself. I'd say, listen, man, it's like this. It's like you got claims plus character plus confirmation. And this would be the one point I would try to communicate with him. Claims, character, confirmation. So Jesus makes big claims about himself. 
He claims to be the one God sent to save the world. He claims in ways that make sense to his audience that he actually is mysteriously God in the flesh. He claims to be the Lord, the ruler, the king of everything. He also has high character, so high that not only do his friends regard him as above reproach, even his enemies, even the ones who wanted to discredit him, couldn't point to a scandal in his life. They couldn't point to some relationship he had that was inappropriate. They couldn't point to some way in which he used people's money for his own purposes. They couldn't because he was blameless. Now you often have one of these two things. You got plenty of people in history who have claimed to be the one who runs it all. Maybe it's a political leader like a, like a Napoleon or like a Hitler. Maybe, maybe it's a religious leader like a Muhammad or like a Joseph Smith. I'm the one that God has sent to reveal the truth to all of you. You got plenty of people who are claiming to be at the center of history. And you got a lot of good people in the world, right? You got a lot of decent folks. Some of their names we know, like a, like a Billy Graham. I don't know of any scandals. Like a Mother Teresa or a Gandhi type. And a lot of people whose names we probably just don't know. But what you don't have is somebody who, who combines both. What you don't have is somebody who stands up and says, I'm the one God has sent to rule the world. And there is no scandal for you to point to to discredit me. And what you don't have is, I'm a good person. But I certainly would not say that, right? Like it's one or the other. So what you see in Jesus is a unique combination of claims and character where he actually claims to be the one who brings salvation to all and he has a life that is blameless and beyond reproach. That's the first piece. And then of course you've got the last piece, the confirmation. One of the things I love about Jesus is he actually said to us, y'all wanna know who I, if I am who I say I am? Okay, here's the deal. I'm gonna die. I know that's gonna stink, but it's okay because then I'm gonna be raised from the dead. And then he did it. To paraphrase Mark, quoting Tim Keller last week, if Jesus really rose from the dead, then we should listen to him about everything. And if he didn't, then we should listen to him about nothing. Claims, character, confirmation. Y'all, I'd be honest with Jack in this conversation, and I'll be honest with you. I got no problem about opening up my life to anybody who needs to see it. I have doubts, always have, always will. I go through seasons in my life where I doubt pretty much everything. I have days where I'm just not sure how to make sense of all of the things that I typically believe. And I go through these time periods, and they used to when I was younger worry me a little bit, but they don't concern me so much anymore because I know how to engage them. And no matter how deep down the rabbit hole I travel, I cannot deny that Jesus claimed to be the one who represented God in the flesh and brought salvation, that he had a character so high that even his enemies didn't try to dispute that he was a good man, and that he told us how to believe in whether or not he was telling the truth by virtue of whether he rose from the dead. And as crazy as it sounds, I don't know how to make sense of the available evidence except to say that he did. Truth is, I love having conversations about hard questions. I love having conversations with Jesus followers who aren't sure how to make sense of things. I love having conversations with people who do not believe this and they're wondering why the rest of us are trying to tell them to. And in these conversations, a lot of times people will throw at me this parable of the six blind men and the elephant. And they often throw it at me like, A, I've never heard it before. <laughs> and like B, I'm not gonna like it because I don't have an answer. But the truth is I love the parable of the blind men and the elephant. I think it's a great gift. First of all, I like it because it keeps me humble. And Lord knows that's never a bad thing for any of us, you know? I don't myself have access to the entire truth on my own ability, merit, or power. I also like the parable because I think it demonstrates for us, it shows us what we need if we're gonna move beyond the impasse, if we're gonna find something to believe in, if we're gonna discover the truth about reality. What we need is for the elephant to speak 
for the elephant to say gently but firmly, I am not a wall or a spear or a snake or a tree or a fan or a rope. I am an elephant. Do you believe me? Will you trust me? Y'all, I can't change the fact that Jesus doesn't always make himself known in the ways that we think we'd make ourselves known if we were him. That was a really confusing sentence. Let me say that differently. I can't change the fact that Jesus doesn't always make it easy to trust him. I can't change the fact that certainty may be a feature of eternity, but certainty is not a feature of time. We're never gonna know for sure, no questions. That's the end, absolutely, end of story. Not until we get to the end of story. I can't eliminate the necessity of risky commitment one way or another, and that's okay. Because that's not what Jesus has asked me to do. That's not even what you expect. All I can do is testify as best I can. All I can do is witness as honestly and clearly as is possible for me. But I am a Christian, I am a follower of Jesus. Not just because I grew up in America or because this is what my mama taught me or because it's socially advantageous for me. Sure, I acknowledge that all of those things maybe at certain points played a part in my story. No, I am a follower of Jesus because I believe that what the Bible reveals about God is true. All I can do is tell you what my ears have heard, what my mind has seen, how my heart has been changed, and what I have come to understand as I patiently, not always cleanly, but consistently embrace the rhythm of trusting and thinking, of obeying and questioning, of testing and waiting, of pushing back and letting go. All I can do is tell you what I say to Jesus, how I answer him in the times when I've thought about walking away. He usually draws my attention to John chapter six. It's almost like he speaks the words through the page to me. You don't wanna leave too, do you? And eventually, even when it takes me a while, I answer back, Lord, to whom shall I go? You have the words of eternal life. I do believe and I do know that you are the Holy One of God. If you're a believer and you're here this morning, man, I hope that you are encouraged to continue walking humbly but confidently in the truth. And if you are a skeptic who's here this morning, glad you're here. I do not expect to have convinced you, but I hope I've made you think. We wanna provide a little bit of space this morning for you to think. So let me say a quick prayer and we'll be playing and think, pray, you can make sense of all this as best you see fit. Father God, we're grateful for the opportunity to be here. And so we pray, I pray God, that you would help us to wrestle with truth and, and Jesus and how it all fits together. Be with us now and as we proceed. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.
Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? John 18, 36 through 38. 